0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Are you suffering? Do you have problems? Heartaches? Sorrows? Are you in pain? If your answer is yes take heart. You're not alone. Most people do not get through this life without facing some type of human suffering. And so, many times as a result of suffering, we are flooded with lots of questions. Why are we suffering? Why has this happened to me? Why do I have to experience these difficulties? Where did suffering originate? When did it originate? Questions that Many of us would like answered. And so tonight I want to invite you to look with me at what James has asked. Is anyone among you suffering? And as you think about that question, what I want to do is talk about how we as members of the human family have to learn to handle suffering. We're here, it exists, and because of that we have to learn to somehow get a handle on human suffering. And so I want to begin by talking, first of all, about the reality of suffering. Human suffering is not imaginary. There are some people that may have the idea, because they have not experienced suffering, that those who are suffering need to just get over it, that it is a figment of their imagination. Well, that's not the case. Lots of people suffer. Now, when we think about the problem, of suffering, I want to say that it is a universal problem. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said that the whole creation groans and travails in pain until now. Those of us who live here on planet earth, we are familiar with human suffering. We see it every day. There is a cause and effect. Job said in chapter 14 verse 1, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Note the emphasis on full of trouble. Life is often difficult. And so, when I think about the problem of human suffering, I am reminded of the fact that it is no respecter of persons. You might be young, you might be middle-aged, you might be old. And you're suffering. When I think about human suffering, I'm reminded of the fact that because it is no respecter of persons, it doesn't matter if you have money or you don't have money. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. The bottom line is we all suffer. So we think about the problem of suffering. But I want to call attention to some people that have suffered and there are many, many people that we, that we can read about in the scriptures that suffered. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3, and you have the introduction to human suffering. Adam and Eve, the very first couple who ever lived on planet Earth, lived to suffer. Let me just call attention to some of the people that we read about in scriptures that suffered. The first I think about is David. David was a great man, a great king. The Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. And yet he wasn't exempted from human suffering, was he? You remember in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he had an adulterous relationship with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. In chapter 12, Nathan the prophet stood before the king and announced unto him that he was the man, that is, that he was in sin. Because of his sin, some things happened in the life of David. Things that we would describe as painful. In verse 7 of chapter 12, Nathan said to David in the long ago, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your keeping. And he said, I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in the sight, or rather to do evil in his sight? He said, you've killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You've taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, that is because of this, the sword shall never depart from your house. Because you've despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you and your own house. Now, let me just stop there. Because of what David had done, he was going to suffer. Now, you recall in the latter part of chapter 12, the Bible talks about this child that was conceived in that ill-fated union. Down in verse 23, the Bible speaks of the death of this infant. David had mourned and wept. He had fasted. While the child was alive? In verse 23, he asked this question. Can I bring him back again? He said, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David lost a child. And because of that, suffered immensely. You remember Absalom? Lost him. And was grieved over that. Another individual that I think about in the Old Testament, a man by the name of Job. Job predated the life of David. Job was a patriarch. He lived during that period of time. and The Bible talks about the great and immense wealth of Job. The Bible also talks about his large household. He had ten children, seven sons and three daughters. Job chapter 1 chronicles the loss of his herds, flocks, servants, and children. Just like that, Job experienced As we would say, heavy losses. In chapter 2, the Bible talks about how Job was afflicted with great boils. From the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. Painful. Suffering. His own wife said, curse God and die. And so Job suffered greatly. In chapter 3, he said, that which I greatly feared has happened to me. Many of us have fears of the unknown. What might happen? what might occur in life job's deepest darkest fears were realized in the latter part of chapter 2 the bible talks about his three friends that came to mourn and comfort with him rather to mourn with him and comfort him the bible talks about for 7 days no one said a word job suffered greatly in the new testament i think about the life of the apostle paul in second corinthians chapters 11 and 12 the bible speaks of the difficulties and trials that the Apostle Paul experienced in life. Let me just call attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for a moment. Because here the Apostle Paul chronicles the difficulties that he faced in life. In verse 23 of chapter 11, he said, I am in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one, 195 stripes laid upon his back. He said, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And then he said in verse 27, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. When you read that list of things that Paul experienced, shocking. Hard for me to imagine one man enduring all of that, much like Job. It's hard for me to imagine somebody that lost his wealth, he lost his health, he lost his family. Job was a real person who experienced real human suffering. Paul was the same. In chapter 12, you remember the apostle Paul talked about, lest he be exalted above measure, verse 7, by the abundance of the revelations that had been given unto him, he said a thorn in the flesh was given to him. Now, a lot of speculation has arisen over what that thorn in the flesh might have been. Some have said it had to do with his eyesight, based on his writings to the saints in Galatia. Whatever the case, Paul said that this... Thorn in the flesh had been given to him. He said it was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Lest he said I be exalted above measure. Three times he pleaded with God to remove that thorn in the flesh. And God said my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So here you have the lives of people that have been affected by pain and suffering. I mentioned David, Job, Paul. What about the Lord Jesus? Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter said that Christ has left us an example that we should follow in his steps. The Bible says, who when he suffered, threatened not. When he was reviled, reviled not again. Jesus suffered physically. I have no doubt that he suffered emotionally. When I go to the Garden of Gethsemane and see him bowing in prayer to God the Father. Luke said that being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Suffering with the weight of the cross before him. And then you can go to the halls of Pilate and see the mistreatment that he received because of our sins. And then I think about Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet foretells of the suffering servant, the one who was wounded for our transgressions, who was bruised for our iniquities. So Jesus suffered. God's only son was not exempt. From human suffering. And so I ask the question, who am I that I shouldn't suffer, that I shouldn't experience pain and heartache in this life? So the reality of suffering, and as I think about the reality of suffering, the second thing that comes to mind, the reason or reasons for suffering, the causes. Why do we suffer? Why is it that We're the crown of God's creation and yet we suffer here on planet earth. Let me just say that if you go back to the Garden of Eden and really if you look at chapter 4 and about verse 7 there's an interesting statement made about Cain. You remember Cain became disenchanted because God accepted the sacrifice of his brother Abel. God did not respect his sacrifice. Now in that context the Bible tells us that Cain later slew his brother Abel. He took... Took his life. But in verse 7, the Lord said to Cain that sin lies at the door. Some translations say sin couches at the door. I make reference to that passage. Because if you look at chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. They are in a utopian environment. God had said that they were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, the day you eat thereof, what's going to happen? He said, you will surely die. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, that is Satan, comes on the scene. And he asks Eve about the tree. Sin and human suffering were, in a sense, lying at the door. All it took was for Adam and Eve to open the door. And when they did that, they opened the floodgate for death physically, spiritually, spiritually. And also they opened the door for human suffering. It all goes back to one place, the Garden of Eden. Now Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, Through one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, for that all have sinned. Every time we go to the cemetery, we are reminded of the fact that Satan in the long ago deceived Adam and Eve. And as a a result, as a consequence to that, we have death, disease, illness, human suffering, pain, misery, whatever term you want to use. So we ask the question, where did human suffering originate? It originated in the garden. And because of the sin of the first couple. And you can read about God talking about In Genesis chapter 3, the pain that would come upon the woman in childbearing. Man would till the ground by the sweat of his brow. I mentioned a moment ago that physical death entered the world, but also spiritual death. That's why in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God set forth the promised seed. The promised seed intended to deliver us from the heartache of sin. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now here's another question. Why do we suffer? We talk about where did it all originate? Well, it originated in the garden. And over time, there has been a proliferation of sickness and illness and disease and human suffering. It will continue in that same vein or same pattern. But why do we suffer? Are there reasons why we suffer? Sometimes we suffer through no fault of our own. It may be the case that we strive to the best of our ability to take care of our physical body. We exercise, we watch our diet, we do everything humanly possible to make sure that this body is cared for. And yet, despite all of the efforts that we exert to maintain a healthy body, we go to our physicians. And it tells us that we have some type of illness or disease. We might have cancer. There are people that have been diagnosed with lung cancer, never smoked a day in their life, never drank alcohol, never did anything to contribute to that, but they have cancer. Sometimes we suffer not because of anything that we did personally, but rather because we live in a world that is made up of human suffering. In John chapter 9, there's a great story where Jesus is spoken of as having given sight to a man that was born blind. Now, the disciples ask a question that many, people some, that many people sometimes have difficulty with. Because he was born blind, they wanted to know who sinned, this man or his parents. They believe because of either his actions or the actions of his parents, He was afflicted with blindness, not so. So the bottom line is we can suffer through no fault of our own. But then there are times when we suffer because of our own actions and sometimes because of personal sin. David, I mentioned just a moment ago. David suffered because he made some bad decisions. Every decision that we make, we have to understand that there is a corresponding reaction either for good or for bad. You remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6? Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Those who sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap destruction. If somebody abuses their body with alcohol and other types of drugs, and they use tobacco, and they don't eat right, etc., well, problems are going to occur in all probability, aren't they? Sometimes we suffer because we make poor, poor decisions. I'm grateful for our young folks. I'm so thankful that we have young people that love the Lord and want to do what's right. And I encourage every one of our young people to stay away from those things that can destroy your body, soul, and mind. That would be alcohol and drugs and tobacco and other things. If you never try those things, you'll never have a problem with them. Sometimes we suffer because of the sins and actions. Of other people. Go back again and look with me for just a moment. At 2 Samuel chapter 12. Let me just read once again. A couple of statements by Nathan the prophet to David. In verse 10 he said. Because you have done this. That is because you've despised the commandment of the Lord. To do evil in his sight. He said the sword shall not depart from your house. Because you have despised me. And have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I'll take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he said, he shall lie with your wives in the sight of of this son. You did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. Did David suffer because of his sin? Yes. Would others within his household suffer because of what he did? Again, the answer is yes. You ever stood at the foot of a pond or lake, picked up a pebble or stone and hurled that pebble or stone out into the water, what happens? When it hits the water with a thud, you see the ripple effect, don't you? That's what sin does. When we engage in sinful activities, yes, it affects us, but sometimes it affects a lot of other people. I used to think when I was younger, and I'm talking about probably teenage years, I used to think that when people got a divorce, that it was just between two people. It only affected or impacted those two people. But you know what I came to learn? I found out that when two people get a divorce, oh, it doesn't just affect the husband and wife. It affects the children, the grandchildren. If there are great-grandchildren, it affects them. It affects the mother, the father, the grandparents, the brothers, the sisters, It is so destructive. And so you think again about for every action, there is a corresponding reaction. When we make mistakes, when we do things that we shouldn't do, sometimes we hurt not only ourselves but many others as well. So why do we suffer? Sometimes we suffer because of our own foolish behavior. Sometimes we suffer because of the foolish behavior of others. When I was a freshman in college, a fellow that sat behind me in Freshman Bible, 18 years of age, went home over the Christmas holidays, working late one night, delivering pizzas, I believe, killed by a drunken driver, the only child. Now, the driver of that automobile, who was intoxicated, yes, it hurt him, and he suffered because of that, he ended up in jail. But let me tell you who else suffered. That boy's mama and daddy suffered. And if they're still alive, I promise you, they think about that child, that son, all the time. So again, human suffering. Let me ask a third question. How should we react to suffering? L- let me just say this before we look at our third point. When I talk about reasons why we suffer I didn't provide a comprehensive list of all the reasons why we suffer. There are a lot of reasons why we suffer. Another lesson that we might think about sometime has to do with the rewards of suffering, the benefits. That would be a great lesson because there are some benefits or byproducts to suffering. But think about how should we react in the face of suffering. Let me begin by saying first and foremost... I would encourage you, I would encourage all of us as Christians to remember to pray. Prayer is a tremendous ally in the face of suffering. Again, think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says, and being in agony, what did he do? The Bible says he prayed more earnestly. Sometimes, the more difficult the circumstance, the less we pray. And yet, Jesus, the greater the difficulty, the greater his prayer life. So when we're When we are undergoing a siege of problems, when we're facing pain and suffering and heartache and loss and et cetera, we ought to get down on our knees and pray to God. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus taught that men ought to always pray and not faint. And the idea is that we ought to pray lest we get discouraged. So pray. Do you remember what Solomon said In Proverbs chapter 15, the latter part of verse 8, he said the prayer of the upright is his delight. When you come before the throne of God and you have baggage, and I'm talking about the baggage of human suffering and pain, and you lay it before the throne of God, you are putting it at the feet of somebody who has the ability to help you, to care for you, to console you. So pray. Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual blessings that we enjoy. Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. You wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're hurting, you're suffering, you're in pain, you're in tears. What should you do? Pray, pray. How often do you pray when you're suffering? So first and foremost, I would say to pray. In James chapter 5 verse 13, when James asked the question, is any among you suffering? What did he say? You remember? Let him pray. James said, if you're suffering, here's the remedy. Pray. Get on your knees and pray to Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. When I think about the graciousness of Almighty God, in Psalm 121, there's a statement made by the psalmist in the long ago. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Then he asks this question, from whence? comes my help. Now listen to his response. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now think about this for a minute. If God had the power, and he did, to create the heavens and the earth, if he could speak the world into existence, if he could fashion our human bodies and place within that human body an eternal soul, don't you think he has the power to help you with the problems you're facing in this life? Don't you think he has the power To get you through whatever you're suffering with in this life? I promise you he does. Number two, remember the precepts of God. That is, remember the Bible, the scriptures. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Paul said, Whatsoever things were written before time, beforehand, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of what? Do you remember? The scriptures. Through patience and comfort, and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope when you get down in that valley of suffering and you can't sleep and you're tossing and turning you can't concentrate you feel like your life's off track pick up the book of Psalms and start reading about the life experiences of King David and note the deep deep valleys he found himself in note the times that he talks about his suffering and heartache and yet Sometimes we try to go it alone and we forget about the power of God's Holy Word. When I look at the Old Testament, I see 39 books that I can learn from and draw strength from. I can look at at examples of people that suffered, difficulties that they faced, real life difficulties, and I can see how they made it to the other side in the New Testament. Sometimes you feel like you're all alone, you feel like you're battling this deal by yourself. There are people like that in the New Testament. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he said, At my first defense, no one stood with me. All men forsook me. He said, I pray God that he won't hold it against them. But he said, the Lord stood with me. And not only did the Lord stand with him, he said the Lord strengthened him. If he'll do it for Paul, he'll do it for you, won't he? So you can read about the life of Paul, some of the other great New Testament characters, people that suffered and how they made it. And then... There's a third thing that I would suggest to you. First, I think about remembering to pray and remembering the precepts of Almighty God. And I would say, remember, if you would, the people of God. That is, think about those that are a part of the church. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Can we not draw strength and encouragement from one another? We can, can't we? There is strength in numbers. Some of you here have been on the receiving end of people that have prayed with you. They've spoken words of encouragement to you. They've counseled with you. They've fixed meals for you. Why did they do that? Let me tell you why. Because, number one, you were suffering. And because, number two, as a Christian, that's our responsibility, to help those in need. So we do it because we love one another. If you're not suffering... And you're not in pain, you're a blessed person. you got a lot going for you. Somebody has said there are three types of people. There are people who have problems. There are people that are about to have problems. And there are people that are getting over problems. Where are you? If you don't have problems, they're coming. How do I know that? Because we live in a world that's filled with problems and heartache and human suffering. Life at its best is very difficult. And one of the things to remember as a child of God, when you're facing adversity and difficulty and human suffering, remember, if you would, the presence of Almighty God. The beauty of being a child of God is you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere in life or death without the Lord. The Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The psalmist said, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. The Lord will be with you wherever you go. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. If you're living without the Lord in your life, could I just say you need him? You may not know you need him, but you need him. You need him now, and you especially need him because eternity is looming. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, to die unprepared to meet God. So if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, why not come to Christ believing that He is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repenting of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confessing His name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Being baptized so that every sin is washed away, Acts 22, 16. And be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life, Revelation 2:10). Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson. Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi To hear this lesson again go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul Fast and sure while the billows roll fastened to the rock which cannot move